Hello, and welcome to the michaelcrane.live podcast. The podcast is about entrepreneurship and tips for staying highly motivated to make a positive change in your life. Keep listening and follow the podcast to stay connected with the community at michaelcrane.live. So get comfy and enjoy today's conversation. And today on the michaelcrane.live podcast, I have with me John Hayes. He went from messenger boy to business owner. And I met John over 15 years ago. So John started out as a messenger boy in Fleet Street for Portsmouth and Sunderland newspaper. Three years delivering artwork, learning the advertising ropes, and then moving on to work at Capital Radio, among some other multi-global brands. John has always been on the sales and marketing side, although back then marketing was a bit more mysterious, something that was American. The first time I met John was about 15 years ago. That's a long time in business. And that alone tells our listeners, you've got staying power, John. So welcome to the michaelcrane.live podcast. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, lovely to be here. And uh, thanks for the introduction. John, 10 years ago, I remember meeting you in a school where you were helping students who had an interest in business. What got you involved in that scheme and that project to help fellow young students starting out in their business journey? Well, um, first of all, it was uh, I, I used to uh, go to when, when I had the business, I, I went to the London Chamber of Commerce. It was the Southeast London Chamber of Commerce, became a member, got to know the people there and uh, then after a few years, uh, I found myself as marketing director for the, for the chamber. And there was one individual who used to, um, had this idea of going into schools to uh, promote, um, try and get the kids to look at uh, businesses or look at running a business, a bit like the Dragon's Den. So we would go into schools and we would, um, try and introduce the, the kids to how to run a business. And it was based on the Dragon's Den concept. So we tried to get them to think of a product, think of a, 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 a name for the business, think of some kind of strategy, and then go away and come back with that strategy, the design of the logo, um, and some kind of promotion for it so it was uh, very much a, a hands-on but but get trying to get the the kids um involved in in a, the ongoing process of of running your own business it's so important uh, from a young person's perspective and i talk about this an awful lot john where the art of negotiation and entrepreneurship and uh, wealth management is not taught in school 
my mum and dad didn't know too much about it. And most parents and peers don't know that much about it either. So, so why do you think this is important to be doing a project like this in, in, in secondary schools? Uh, well, look, when I first started out, I left school at 15, um, didn't have any qualifications, didn't have any O-levels, um, managed to start the business off. And as you go through your business journey, um, it's good, and I've spoken to you about this before, it's good to give something back to, to the community or the local community that you happen to be in. That was part of the Chamber's objectives, was to give something back to the local community and hence the reason for going into schools. Um, but most kids, I think, have probably got the, academically the ideas for, for qualifications, but hands-on practical stuff is... Um, very rare. So what we tried to do within those uh, within the schools was to, to give them a, a bit of knowledge about how it is running your own business, the, the, the housekeeping that you need, the, the kind of help from your banks, you're going to the banks for, for help and monetary help as well. But there was no, there was no kind of mentors, there was no kind of uh, teachers back then for running your own business and part but this was part of the the idea was to give this kind of uh, business overall back to to the kids so 10 years later from a 16 year old's perspective are there mentors and coaches now in order to help the youth build a business and build that uh, innovation that enterprise to be create to create that company um, well, yeah, I mean, look, there's loads of self-help books now. Um, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of stuff on the internet now. Um, the, the big thing for me over the years when uh, I was uh, in, in the larger corporations, the big companies, there was always managers and directors that you could look for, and, and they always gave me advice and help. Um, and one guy in particular, and I can remember him, uh, one of the best bits of advice that stayed with me over the years um, was that he told me to get this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was a, a Dale Carnegie. It's a classic. I mean, it's, I think it was written back in the 30s. Um, but to me, that was one of the greatest sales books that I've ever uh, um, actually listened, uh, uh, read. And I think most of the great motivational speakers of today, like Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, most of the guys you get on TED Talk presenters, that, 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 I bet you that, that that's where they've started with the Dale Carnegie training, um, because that book in particular was particularly um, good for me uh, in going forward. What one thing did you take out of that book, John, that kind of really resonated you throughout building your business and starting um, employment? Do you know what? Sincerity more than anything, I think. Um, the fact that uh, and my dad was a great um, advocate of if, if you don't listen, you don't learn. And that was one of the other things in growing up and going through my business um, career 
was was listening to those kind of mentors and um, gleaning as much information. And sincerity goes a long way. I think if you're open and you're honest, and I mean we've been going, I've been going thirty years now, and in our business you can't you can't hide. You've got to be you've got to be open. You've got to be honest, and you've got to have that sincerity that makes people hopefully like you and get on with you. So it was really getting on with people and that all stems from communication, of course. Talking to people face to face, whether it's over the telephone or email, even these podcasts, you know, getting your point of view across, it's very important. Yeah, funny enough, my dad used to say to me, you've got to learn to earn and there's no better place to kind of research books like how to win friends and influence people. And you know, yeah. the other great book is uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. But going back to when you first started out in your job, John, tell our listeners about how you started, because the title of this show is From Messenger Boy to Business Owner. Share your story, John. Well, for my... F- <laughs> My school was Tulsa Hill Comprehensive. Um, going back, I won't tell you what, I can't remember to be honest, but it had over 2,000 kids. It was, it was a comprehensive school. Um, if you can imagine a, a school that size, it, it wasn't very good for education, but it was great. It was great for sport. And I think sport was my saving grace because if nothing else, it taught me to become a team player whether that's the social skills, getting on with all kinds of people. And we did have all kinds of people, um, as you can imagine, with 2,000 kids from all kinds of background, learning about the different tactics in sport was another thing, the value of listening, because uh, that's so important. But academically, it was hopeless. But um, there was one good English teacher that taught me the art of storytelling and, and writing, and having good handwriting. I mean, today, it's, um, I can't think of anyone that, you know, sends any communication handwritten anymore, but um, it looked good and I practiced that continually. I love my art. Um, Anyway, I saw an advert um, after leaving school at 15. I saw this advert in the Evening Standard. Um, And in them days, there were two or three pages of junior vacancies and it was this messenger boy in Fleet Street. And I love the newspapers. I thought that that's for me. I'll, uh, I'll go um, and hopefully, so I wrote off and got the interview. And, and that's where I started as a messenger boy in Fleet Street. And as you said, it was pulled from some of the newspapers. Um, it was really just, just looking after the artwork. And in them days, it was blocks as well. So that tells you how long ago it was printing from blocks. So that's that's where I started. And uh, that that gave me the ground. In them three or four years that I had there, I learned an awful lot about a newspaper office and the art of uh, advertising and promotions. And that's really where it all started from, really. So how did you go from being an employee to an employer, John? Because this is well, really the that's this is the really important transition stage. Yeah. I guess fellow entrepreneurs go through in their business life cycle. 
Well, look, I, I, I was always, I was always conscious of the way I talked, and I was shy. I was introverted, um, but I knew I had to come out of that and start communicating. That was so important. I quickly made friends, um, and and where we used to socialise and go out together. Um, and it, it was always, I was always looking to try and improve myself. And I was a ferocious reader of books, all factual books. I weren't interested in fiction. I wanted to, to learn about Fleet Street and the way the newspapers worked and the way they communicated. Meeting those various people over the years who became mentors. But it was the big corporate when I was working for BP and WH Smiths. I hated the corporate structure and the fact that um, it wasn't always uh, your skill or how good you were to climb up the, the pole. Um, sometimes uh, it was, you know, other areas that come into it. And it, I just had this burning ambition. I'm thinking I couldn't do this for the next 30 years. It's going to drive me crazy. Big corporate companies, big corporate structures, um, and I just had this burning desire to one day own my own business. So um, I ended up working for a company called Purchase Point. They were a promotional agency in Parsons Green. Um, I worked there for three years, account director. We had some good blue chip accounts, um, Daily Telegraph, Cellnet. Uh, there was B BP, funny enough. And... Uh, as account director, was responsible for those particular uh, accounts and looking after them, promoting them, promoting their brands. And after three years, I was thinking, I'm doing all this on my own. I might as well start my own business. And I had one client, one client. It was a puzzle publisher that um, agreed to come with me. If I, I went to him and I said, look, I'm going to start my own business. Um, would you be interested in uh, in coming along with me? So. He did, and that was my first client, and that's what I started with in the, the bedroom of my flat in Bromley. And, um, yeah, I'd done that for, for a year with that particular client, doing all of his marketing and his promotions, and bit by bit, I started to get new clients, and um, it just really mushroomed from there. Knew I had to get... Uh, uh, more clients in order to survive because one client isn't isn't enough as you well know so yeah it was uh, it kind of stemmed from there really in your intro i said in your words marketing was a bit mysterious something that was american why mm. is marketing mysterious in your opinion um, because I'm probably going back then, it was because it was this magical word that um, it came from America, obviously. Americans, USA, best marketeers in the world. Um, again, back then, we've caught them up lately, but back then, it, I, I reckon they were 10 years ahead uh, of their time. And I can remember agencies used to go to America to learn about marketing techniques, promotional techniques. And it was this magical word marketing, which is, which is um, it's all about getting the right product to the right people, whether it's the consumer or business to business 
um, and getting it there on time at the right price. This is stuff that you learn over the years. But back then, it was a little bit mysterious. What's this magical, what's this magical word marketing? And of course, now we've, we've caught them up um, because the power of the internet. And I think we're, uh, you know, we're a rival to what they're bringing out in America. I still think when it comes to um, new and innovative stuff, they're, they're still the leaders and we're still behind slightly, but we definitely caught them up. There's no, no two ways about it. I think it's fair to say a lot of uh, people I speak to use the word in front of marketing, this word called sales. And over the period of time, we've linked the two up, sales and marketing. But what's the difference, John, in your opinion? Um... Well, that's a, that's a difficult one, Michael. Um, the, to me, they're, they're linked intrinsically because of uh, the, the marketing is like a strategy, let's face it, and the sales is, is the techniques that you use. There was loads of cold calling, weren't there, in the old days, and I can remember doing it myself, thinking this is a nightmare, I hate this, but having to go through that. And it's that communication aspect, again, which I, I was getting or trying to get through, it's, it's communication's key to everything, whether you're doing it through an email, through the telephone, through your voice, through face-to-face, over Zoom. You know, that's really come to the fore, hasn't it, over the last couple of years. Um, it's a difficult one, but I think they're linked together, marketing and sales. And obviously, sales is getting on with people, isn't it? It's, it's getting to know the individual, your whether it's a, a client or a mate or whatever, you just you hopefully get on with people, and it's being being a decent a decent chap or a decent girl. It's uh, that's what it's it's all about, I think. Yeah, certainly people buy from people they like. They like, yes, yeah. And I don't think in whatever format you use, that changes that much, John. I know you run a very highly successful marketing agency right now. And I just want to ask you this. If you were advising a client about their marketing strategy, their marketing plan right now, what would be the first thing you would be putting on the list to speak about with that potential client? Um, Well, I... Look, these days, I'll be honest, uh, Michael, um, it's, it's, I can pick and choose. I'm very lucky in as much that I can pick and choose my customers, if you like, my clients. Um, and you've got to have some kind of empathy there with, with the individual, whether he's a business owner or a director within that company. You've got to get on with them, otherwise it's pointless. And um, we've we've actually turned clients down because I know that long-term there wasn't any point in continuing a relationship. But um, once you've got that client on board and you've, it, it's, to me, it's a simple, it's a simple fact of just sitting down with them, knowing their, their particular market, obviously, um, getting to know what they've done in the past, tried and tested ideas that they've tried that they might have uh, come up with, 
looking at that market, coming up with new, fresh ideas, maybe with, with all the various ways that you can reach out to customers, whether it's through advertising, promotions, email marketing, video. I mean, that's come to the fore now. And all these techniques uh, could, could actually work depending on the actual product, depending on the actual service, obviously. What would be your favourite strategy, John, from a marketing perspective? Um, more so, I mean, websites. Look, that's your shop window to the world, a website. Um, and, and if you more and more these days, people have got videos on those websites. They tell a story, pictures tell a thousand words. It's so much easier. You can get your story across in one minute, two minutes, depending on how the production of that is shown visually, that's key to everything, I think. And once you've got a website, you've got a window to, to the world and your marketplace. And then it's driving people to that website, isn't it? That's, that's how you do it. And um, for me, it's video and email marketing at the moment. But don't forget, Michael, I'm business to business, not to... Uh, business to consumer so it's slightly different but uh, same techniques but yeah that's that to me is is uh, the best way to to gain business and how long should a bit a video be on someone's website the shorter the better it depends when you can hopefully get that message across within a, a minute a minute and a half no longer and seriously two minutes is probably too long you want to grab the attention it's like anything it's grabbing that attention and then getting getting that story across. And of course, it depends on the product. Um, you've seen the adverts these days, fantastic advertising. They don't always get straight to the point. Sometimes you're looking at them and you're thinking, what, what's that about? What's, what's, it's got nothing to do with the product, but it's that simplicity at the end maybe that, or that little humour comes into it, style, you know, the whole, the whole thing that makes you want to buy into whatever they're, they're selling. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's for me. So with, with videos, it's, um, you know, visual, obviously. Yeah. With the website, it's, some people say it's one-dimensional. You put a video on it, maybe your website becomes two-dimensional. What's your view about the effectiveness of audio? on podcasts like this show, John? For, for me, podcasts are a relatively new uh, phenomenon, aren't they, really? I, I think they, I think going back three or four years, probably longer than that, but they've really come to the fore the last kind of 18 months, two years, where um, it's so much easier to to listen, to glean, to get, to get information now from the internet. And rather than read it, it's a lot easier just to listen to, uh, and there's plenty, there's plenty of uh, information out there. Not all of it's good. Some of it is, some of it's really good, but yeah, you've got to be selective in terms of uh, where you're going for that information. I'm a great, I'm a great listener of audio books now, rather than a reading books, which I used to do when I was younger, but um, maybe it's the, the lazy man's way to, to read a book is to listen to it now, but um, some of some of those uh, podcasts that are out there and information are, 
fantastic for sport especially it's really interesting i used to drive an awful lot to my office from where i was living at the time and my car was like a moving conference room <laughs> i always had a podcast audible one and it really is amazing how much you can learn while you, you you're doing less uh, mundane stuff like driving a car to and from a place of work or meeting friends and also now you can just listen to the episodes on your smartphone so john i just want to ask you now moving on to uh, what things in marketing do you think are overrated now what i mean by this is everyone i speak to they're saying you should be doing this you should be doing that for example producing a leaflet or creating a Google standard ad. What is all this hype about these common sense marketing strategies? It depends on the budget as well, doesn't it? Um, you, you know, you can get up and running with a website um, on, a, on a limited budget and a video because of the way editing's done now and the software is available. It's so easier to, 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 get, to get started now. Um, and again, depends on the audience. But uh, I think it's, it's, I mean, if you go on to my website, for instance, we got a number of explainer videos on there that help you with search engine optimization, for instance. What is search engine optimization? It's about getting businesses up the internet so that when people are searching for information, you're one of the first one on that page one of Google. Um, so we explain that we 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 explain the, the power of video uh, um, and the, the reasoning behind why people look at videos. Why do they choose that as the first port of call, if you like, for for a product? Email marketing. Email marketing's have replaced replaced the old. Um, do you remember direct mail shots through your door that you used to get? Email marketing is as has taken over from that. So there's, you know, there's loads. Facebook, look at ways you can get into uh, into people's areas now to, to purchase. You've only got to look at uh, Facebook as, a, as an example. Instagram, that's coming to the fore now as well. Uh, it, there's so many ideas. There's so many ways and means, and it does depend on the, the particular product. You've got a, a plethora of um, ways that you can to, to, to get notice now. I wouldn't say anyone, uh, it's, a, it's a mixture of, of all of them, I think, that you can, you can try. And, and it's so cheaper now to try and test as well. Testing is so important. Has Facebook taken some uh, taken your uh, a lot of your market, John? Yeah, again, you know, I'll be honest. Um, we've we've used it for for clients um, advertising, and it's it has worked. And it, again, it is dependent on the product. Um, I'm not a great lover of Facebook. I'm not a great, to be honest, I'm not a great lover of social media. I think for the health um, and from from some of the things that go out there you know yourself and if you're into your sport you can you it's great to be involved with social media but it's it's open market for abuse and um 
that's why I'm not a great lover of social media because of the, the, the various areas it can lead you through to. And um, over the, the last couple of years, I think people have had too much time to, to think and analyze and idea what, you know, we've only got, and, and we've, again, our, our business where lots of companies have been hacked because there's these people have seem to have so much time on their hands to, 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 to get into people's um, internet um, hackers. It's, it's been crazy couple of, uh, couple of years really. Yeah, certainly the last couple of years due to the pandemic, uh, some people would add Brexit into that conversation as well, John. Mm-hmm. When we uh, spoke a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about failures. Now, I always <clears throat> try not to talk about a failure because failures are only lessons along the way of how not to do some things. But what failures in the last 30 years in business really stand out for you as major lessons on how not to do a particular thing or action? Yeah, look, I, for, for the best part, the first 10 years of running your own, I, I think they say if your business is going to fail, it's going to fail in the first three years. So I was always conscious of that. Um, after five, ten years, it, you never stop worrying about your cash flow problems, and that's one of the biggest uh, tests, if you like, for a business. When I first started started out, do you remember a bank manager? Do you yes. remember? A bank manager? I had my own personal bank manager. He was great. He was like an uncle. He was fantastic, and. Can you believe that I had a 25 grand overdraft unsecured from from this guy because he trusted my plan, he trusted the way I was working and he obviously saw something, but in them days they were allowed to do that. So he gave me this 25 grand overdraft, which is probably the equivalent of about 65 grand nowadays. Unbelievable. Um, So that's your money, and I, I probably used up the best part of that to start with. You never s- stop worrying about money and your cash flow and where the next part of your business is, hopefully new businesses, is, is going to come from. And that's always stayed with me. Keep on top of your finances because they can run away. And I can remember the advice, don't, get, don't go and get a big plush office. Don't spend lots of money on your furniture. Don't get your big flash car. Loads of great advice. So what did I do? I went and done all of that. And you learn from your mistakes, don't you? you it, it's, it's like when people say, don't get married too young, don't do this. Don't, but you've got to try it for yourself. But it's how you get up when you get knocked down and how you get back up and fight and, and you know, go go out again and meet people and pick that phone up. There have been some times when you get so low, but it's that self-motivation that you, you've got to get from somewhere because if you don't, there's no one else that's going to help you. You know, your bank balance says X. Where are you going to get that, that motivation to get up and get out there? I can remember standing on 
East Croydon station on a Friday night at eight o'clock. I had a piece of artwork underneath my arm and I had to get it to the printers because it had to be printed over the weekend for Monday. And I can remember standing there thinking, there's all my mates now down the pub having fun. And here I am at uh, this ridiculous hour and I've not got to the printers yet, waiting for a train to get up to London to get there. And, and it, it, you know, that, that, that happened on numerous occasions where you're working late and you, yeah. And it's, it was a tough slog. Um, but touch wood, there, there, there wasn't too many of them, Michael, because I was very frugal, if you like, in, in as much of, of spending my money after that first initial car and, and the plush office. And you learn from your mistakes and you temper it accordingly. And that's what happened after the first 10 years. Did you lose everything you bought, John? in those early days because you didn't have a, a, a safety net catching you should anything go wrong? I didn't lose everything, no. I didn't lose everything. There were certain things that, that had to go back. Um, but I was, um, I, I don't know really, I always had enough business to keep me going. And I was lucky in that respect. Um, and not that I consciously looked for it or went after business but I think you get a bit of a reputation and one thing seems to lead to another and once you've once people have got the trust in you they start recommending you and I was lucky in that respect that we did seem to pick up new business quite easily so we always had the cash flow wasn't too bad although I mean oh, I can remember Michael I had to turn over it was £32,000 a month I had to turn over to make an eight grand profit to pay for my staff, to pay for the rent and the rates. And that's, that was a, a big sum back then. So, but again, it, it was artwork and it was graphic design and, and people paid premium for them. So the, the turnover was, was, was much more, whereas now it's a lot leaner and, uh, keener if you like but um yeah it, it looking back it's uh it, it they were there were tough times but it the good times far outweighed I think the, the bad times yeah certainly uh you know just taking you back to East Croydon station late yeah. Friday night when your mates were in the pub what was your mindset like on that night John because I think for other fellow entrepreneurs I think too have days where they think to, the self, to themselves, why am I doing this? Yeah. And is tomorrow gonna be a better day? So what was your mindset like then? And how have you crafted a winning mindset to keep you in the game for over 30 years? It, it was the thought of working for somebody else. It was that, what is the alternative? I didn't want to go back to corporate because I didn't like the way that, you know, it was structured. I didn't like, it, it was just that kind of management style. Um, and I was down, and I mean, there were loads of times when I was down and you, getting out of bed was a problem, you know, you've got to, but it was just, you had to do it because 
you know, you had the mortgage, you, you, you had to pay for the car, you had to pay for the, the, the family. And it, that's, that's the motivation, it's getting out there and, and losing face. You don't want to be seen as a failure, do you? You want to, you, you, if you've got the basic skills to get on with people, to communicate, you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't have a problem in selling whatever the product is. And if you've got a, a decent enough plan, and there's loads of help out there, um, then you shouldn't fail to run your own business. And I didn't want to go back, like a lot of my mates were working for other companies. I didn't want to go back to that. That was the one thing that scared me. I couldn't, I don't think I could have gone back because of uh, when you've had that freedom for working for yourself and you've had all that, that, that kind of, you make the decision, the buck stops with you. The thought of, um, yeah, getting someone else to tell me what to do was, uh, was enough motivation to, to crack on, you know. So now I want to take you to the peak of your business, your success, and you're looking down over the valleys. How did that feel, John? Well, um, do you know what? It was, it was, I had an old mate, David Baker, um, and uh, we, we teamed up together as a partnership. We, we, got, we bought a, a building just off Fleet Street in Johnson's Court, and this was back in the, uh, it would have been late 90s, no, Yes, it would have been 98, something like that, 99. Anyway, we, we actually purchased this building John, in Johnson's Court, still there, just off Fleet Street. And I thought, what a great... I'm going back to Fleet Street from where I started out as the messenger boy. And we, we teamed up together. We, we, uh, we got our clients together. We announced it. And for six years... We were in uh, Fleet Street um, doing really well. We built the company up, 27 staff, um, having a ball. It was the good old days and it was, if you like, lunches with clients. We had a super uh, building, which we actually, uh, we, we interior designed it to the hill. So it had the, the, all the lovely meeting rooms. Um, it, it, was, it was only about 4,000 square foot, but it was self-contained. And um, that, that was the pinnacle for me with David. Um, and, and just for six or seven years there, we, we, we really, we had some good pharmaceutical accounts. We were running incentive schemes for salespeople. So there was lots of traveling involved, um, lots of holidays involved. That was the kind of pinnacle of, uh, for, for me of, of my business. Uh, career, so to speak, and and eventually, um, what wore me down was the fact that um, I was listening to to twenty odd staff every day and um, their problems, which is obviously what I had to do. But it was taking me away from uh, the sales side and the marketing side, the strategy side, and it, in it, when you're dealing with people um, that have problems, you've got to listen. And you try to solve their problems as best you can, but it would take me away from uh, from what I was what I loved. Um, 
And just one day I was speaking with David and he was thinking the same way. And we just said, well, why don't we try and sell the business? Which we, we did. And we were, up, we were able to sell it. And the biggest mistake, um, Michael, was we sold the building, which um, we should never have done. We should have kept the building uh, and, uh, and just rented it out. But uh, listen, that was another mistake. But um, we, we, at least we, we were able to sell the business. And um, yeah, that, that, uh, we just went our separate ways. David's now down in the, the West Country. Um, uh, he's, he's dealing with property now. And um, I, I took a, some time out and then started off the consultancy, which I've got now. So uh, yeah, happy days and yeah, good times. Good times going back to Fleet Street. During your time on Fleet Street, John, did you ever see the River Fleet that I hear and know runs beneath Fleet Street and where Fleet Street got its name from? Yeah, no, it doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's not there to be seen. I believe it's beneath um, all the, the, the buildings and the, the, uh, the, the actual road there in Fleet Street. But yeah, the, the, I did hear about it. There was loads of other, because don't forget this was still a big um, uh, entertaining side of the business back then, Michael. You can't believe how Fleet Street and the, the restaurants and the pubs and it was, you know, a three hour lunch was the norm back then. It's, it seems ridiculous today, but that's how business was done. Um, and around that area, you were on Covent Gardens was just up the road. There was the city of London. We had a few few clients in the city of London that uh, that liked to uh, entertain or to be entertained. So um, there was a lot a lot of that that went on. Um, so uh, the the capital uh, where you know I was privileged, if you like, to have a place there in Fleet Street. So much history up there, fantastic. And River Fleet being one of them, of course. But yeah, you just had to, in fact, I used to walk to the city rather than get a bus or a tube because of it, it didn't take that long, but you could see all the history around you as you were walking up to your client, you know. Um, it was, uh, yeah, great times, great times. Sounds absolutely fantastic and Times have changed. But what's next for John Hayes? And how can our listeners hear more from you, John? Well, um, I've got a website, which is uh, jchcom.com. If you want to have a look at that website, you can. Uh, there's lots of explainer videos on there, as, I, as I've said. And um, that, that, that'll help you understand the power of uh, search engine optimizations, email marketing, video, et cetera. It'll give you an idea of some of our clients that we're working on now. It's, uh, it's, it's great dealing with people that you like and you get on with, Michael, uh, as you well know. And uh, it, it's nice. We kind of got, a, a, and I'm not just saying this, but it is a nice selection of clients that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and uh, that's how we kept it nice and uh, small and lean. Um, but uh, yeah, enjoying it. It's great. It's great. 
Good. And that brings the podcast episode to an end for today's show, John. Just want to say thank you so much for joining uh, the show today. Thank you. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.